Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. Hey, welcome back, everybody. So many of us deal with anxiety. Let's be honest. Let's get it out there. Let's talk about it. It's crippling. It can be challenging. It can, it can really rule your life. What would your life look like without anxiety? We all have it to some degree, but imagine if we cut back on it drastically, some magical way, whatever that might be. What would your life look like? We're going to talk about that today. He's somebody that counsels people all the time. Dr. Ray Smith is back with us, and he literally wrote the book about anxiety. Uh, he really did. I know it's a cliche, you know, hey, you wrote the book, but you did. Tell us about that. Well, the book is called Rest, and it's out on Amazon for audio, and there's a workbook that accompanies it. It's free on Kindle, and you can download it from my website, drraysmith.com. Anxiety Quest is the purposeful way of moving away from anxiety to what I've coined the phrase of anxiety sobriety. Well, no, wait a minute. Everybody thinks about addiction. This is a little different than alcohol or substance abuse or gaming or gambling. But what would it be like if you weren't worried about being a worry ward? What would peace of mind look like? So the purpose of Anxiety Quest is to help people come up with a vision of where they would like to be and then giving them proven steps to how they can get free of anxiety, maybe not once and for all. Anxiety sobriety might have a relapse where something catastrophic happens and people naturally worry about that. But for the most part, to be done with it, to know how to think about things differently so that you feel differently and you behave differently. So, for example, if you think about all of the earthquakes that happened at the beginning of the year, and so you're worried about having an earthquake where you are, and so you move away. Well, that would be too much irrational thought that generated too many anxious feelings, which led to a decision to behave in a way that wasn't necessary. So what we're going to talk about today is the vision. What if you achieved your anxiety quest? At the end of that, what does it look like when you're not perfectionistic in your thinking, or you don't guilt trip yourself when you've made a mistake, or you don't just overthink trivial things that other people might even scoff at. So our hope is to have people call in who suffer with anxiety and tell us what it would be like. How would they know if they had achieved anxiety sobriety and they were done with it? On the other hand, I'd like for people to call in who have achieved that. What's it feel like once you're past anxiety? So, yes, let's give a vision to those people who are still suffering. But if someone's listening who has gotten past anxiety, what's it look like? How good is it? What would you tell the people who are following in your quest? You made it. What's it feel like? If they could envision what you have, what would it look like? So I want to talk about a vision. The Bible says that without a vision, people perish. Well, maybe without a vision of anxiety sobriety, people would give up and cave into their anxiety. And some of the worst of that is like agoraphobia, where somebody can't even get out of bed anymore. They're so anxious about life and threats. Well, what would it look like if you were free of all that and confident again and had peace of mind? 
you could turn off your brain at night and go to sleep. So I want to talk about a vision of being free of anxiety. And if someone has achieved that, for them to call in and give a little bump to those people who are still suffering with it, just to be a good example that you can get on the other side of anxiety and have a more full life. So that's the invitation to callers to sure. call if you uh, would like to get a vision or if you've already achieved that vision, what's it look like and how would those following in your footsteps know it when they got there? If you want to reach out to us, instantfeedbacksteve at gmail.com. You can also call us at 631-319-6275. I'm going to be transparent here and okay. and say to you, Ray, and by the way, I want to share with everybody that you're a mental health counselor. You are well qualified in terms of what we're talking about and to write a workbook and and help people with this. I don't think I suffered from anxiety. Maybe I did. I would always worry about things, whatever it might be. Some situation changes within a job and then it would be like, oh gosh, all right, what am I going to do now? What's, what's going to happen here? Oh boy. Um, and, and I, it, it would sometimes take over my life. I'd be thinking about these things or what if, if what if that, and what if this, what if that, uh, with a change in life last couple of years, uh, I refocused everything. And quite honestly, I don't give a damn anymore. <laughs> you you got free then. I got free. I don't care. It's like I just don't. I of course I care, but I don't let it I can't control things out of my power, so I have let those go. Um and it's it's made a big difference. You know, still, you know, I I I got an ulcer from worrying about things. Oh. oh, bad. And it still flares up from time to time, so then I have to remind myself, eh, squash it down. Mm-hmm. It's all going to be good. Um, but that's, and I don't even know if I would come under the category of anxiety. I would just think about things. I would worry about things. Uh, I don't know if I would overthink them because I, I know people that do overthink and I even call them out on it <laughs> uh-huh. for me. Um, but I know, you know, I guess it would be anxiety, sobriety that uh, life is better. I don't worry. I just let, it's like, I'm just, uh, I'm riding the wave in. You know, like if you're well, congratulations. <laughs> yeah. Well, you said that about change of circumstance or situation. Usually the voice of anxiety is, can I handle this? Am I able mm. to live out my life, make decisions and take care of things? Or am I inadequate? Am I going to fail? And the questions you ask, what if this or what if that? What if is usually the start of an anxiety question. And so to get that twisted around right away in your head, change the way that you think about it so that the way you feel about it will be different too. You, you so said thank something you for sharing. very impactful just there. Can I handle this? And I think yeah. that's the baseline for a lot of anxiety because you, you don't have faith in yourself. Uh, you don't know. You truly don't know what you can handle because new things pop up and you haven't handled them before. But if you've handled other things and you realize, wait a minute, I'm, I'm resilient. I'm pretty damn mm-hmm. good. I got this. Mm-hmm. I can, I can pull that off, you know, whatever comes up. Uh, I think that helps us get rid of a lot of that anxiety. We need to, we need to applaud ourselves many times in terms of yes. what we've, we've done in life. That's a big part of anxiety quest. There's celebrations in it for every step along the way to celebrate it. Mm. Um, 
Luke Skywalker is used as an example in the book of somebody who got transformed and went from being scared to being the Jedi Knight who rescues everybody. And there's a big celebration at the end. Well, I think that's what we need to do. Every time that you change your mind and you don't think about being inadequate or something, to have a little celebration. You don't have to wait for perfection just to praise progress. I thought about that a different way. I felt better because I thought differently. And that's what's empowering to people with anxiety. I can think about this a different way, and then I will feel a different way. Mm. And I will act a different way because I'm not working under that fear. But I appreciate it, you being open. Oh, I, did, I don't think I had anxiety, but maybe I did. I don't know. But however we uh, you know put a label on it. Um, but it takes time. It takes yes. time. It's not an overnight thing because you need to start building the confidence in yourself that I can handle that. I handle that. I handle that. You know, why do I need to worry? It's going to be all right. You know, even if it's a job, oh my gosh, I'm going to lose a job. Some, you know, uh, they're cutting back. You can't do anything about it. What are you going to do? You find another job. It's okay. Yeah. It'll work out. But worrying about it doesn't make any difference. It doesn't open other opportunities. No. no. Well, when you got your ulcer, your body was trying to tell you something that you need to think about it in a different way so that all of those anxious juices aren't coming down into your stomach. And somehow you got it. So that's what I want to talk about today for the vision of anxiety sobriety. If you could be like Steve and not have that ulcer or not have that worry wart kind of self-identity, how would it be? How would you know when you achieved anxiety sobriety? And mm. if you don't have anxiety sobriety, what if you did? What would it look like? How would you feel? How would you know that maybe that miracle happened last night and now I'm not anxious anymore. So I invite people to call in and talk about it so that we can uh, give them a chance to grow a little. So we do have Kelly checks in from Orlando and she's on instantfeedbacksteve at gmail.com. She says, I've had anxiety for many years. It's been much worse in the last two years due to a situation in my life. Having less anxiety would mean I would finally get a good night's sleep. Wow. Well, that's a perfect vision. Because you can imagine what a good night's sleep is as opposed to laying there looking at the sky or looking at the ceiling all night long and, again, getting an ulcer or something else. So, yeah, if her vision is getting a good night's sleep, then what else? When you awaken refreshed in the morning, what else is different if you're not so worried anymore? What else could you put your mind to besides thinking about those last couple of years? So, thank you, Kelly. That's interesting when when you, you you bring it up that way, Ray, because you get a good night's sleep. So let's say you minimize your anxiety, you get a good night's sleep, and then life is so much better. It's not just the sleep, but now you have more clarity. You can deal with things. You've got less anxiety because many people have anxiety because they didn't get enough sleep. They already had anxiety, then they didn't get enough sleep. Now it's even worse. Now it's even harder to deal with the basic stuff that we deal with in life. So it's almost like a domino effect. It is. And if you haven't gotten a good night's sleep, then traffic is backed up and then something happens at work that is disappointing. And then you start wondering if you're good enough and the anxiety just goes into a downward spiral. Mm -hmm. And that's why changing your thinking is so empowering 
I can stop this. Yeah, uh, I'll share with you that uh, part of the reason I do believe the uh, ulcer was first diagnosed in 2016 was I didn't get good sleep. I oh. would, I did morning radio for literally decades. 3.54 a.m. I would wake up and decades. And that that time I was dealing with three different jobs and I shouldn't have done it. I, I, I look back, it was like, wasn't even financially, it wasn't even a you know great idea. It was more of a uh, career move. Um, mm-hmm. rent, rent it, got a new house, renovated the backyard, was working on all of that, managing the project and all of that, some other personal stuff in there. And that's where it happened, you know, where it just, I didn't even know what it was. Too much. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. just too much, too much on the plate and not enough sleep. Yeah. And when did you start getting more sleep? Was that just in the last couple of years? Because I changed my schedule. Yeah. Okay. Uh, four years. There's a new study in the American Psychological Association. I don't, I don't even know if I want to hear this. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, go ahead. Go the ahead. bad news is what we've all known. The people who work night shift do have more psychological problems than the people who work days or swing. And there is that circadian rhythm and all that stuff, but... Yeah, if you're getting up at 3.54, you probably aren't as refreshed as if you were getting up at 6.54 and starting the day when the sun was coming up and you had everything to look forward to. Yeah, and as you get older, this is what I realized. I don't know if it's because I didn't get a lot of sleep back in the day, but even like last night, I only got maybe six hours. I was out, you know, um, friend's house, family was visiting, and, uh, you know, we're just hanging around, and it got later. And she needed gas in her car. She gets up really early. I'm like, I'll take it and get gas. So I had to find a gas station was open. So by the time I get to bed, it was late. I feel mm-hmm. it today. Like, I'm like, you know, wow. Hmm. I didn't, I didn't get the full, you know, seven. <laughs> Call it seven. I got, you know, maybe five and a half, six. It does make a difference. And I think we, we minimize sleep. We don't realize it. Yeah. But when you think about that, oh, sleep is no big deal. Then it's still plaguing you and your body is turning down. And then- you might choose to do something when you're tired that you wouldn't have done had you gotten a good night's sleep. So a good night's sleep is a great vision of anxiety, sobriety, and so would be handling the little bumps. If traffic was backed up, I'm not road raging and going nuts or worried, am I going to get fired if I'm a few minutes late, but I'm handling things. Once again, I've got this and I've earned the right to, be a few minutes late one time or whatever the little bumps are. It's impressive that you can change your mind in just an instant. And we talked about that one time with just feeling your headphones. Okay. You weren't feeling them before you change your mind and you feel them. Well, same thing. I was feeling tired and I was thinking that I wasn't going to do too well. So that made me a little more draggy around and uh, feeling bad about myself. Well, What if you changed your mind? You gave well last night. You interacted with family. You came to the rescue and got gas. Let's say attaboy and have a little celebration that you did something good. And then you don't have to worry about it. You can congratulate yourself. And then maybe I'll feel pretty good about myself because I gave well last night. Mm -hmm. And and my reward also is I ain't doing nothing tonight. (laughs) 
That's it. Well, maybe the the seven can go to eight or nine tonight and get a little replenishment. Exactly. What am I doing? I'm getting my car fixed later. That's it. It's and it, and it's been a couple of days that I haven't been able to address it, but <clears throat> I'm definitely getting it done this afternoon and all good. Um, let's go to Eileen, who's in Searsport, Maine. She says, how can I not worry as much as I do? I feel that it's gotten to the point of obsession and my friends and also some family have mentioned it to me. Good question. When it goes from simple anxiety disorder, generalized anxiety disorder to obsessive compulsive, then it means that the thinking has gone south some way. So, Eileen, the way to change your thoughts about this is to look at it from a different angle. Instead of being obsessed about something worrisome, what could you look at where you could be empowered? For example, the same people who said that they were concerned about you and doing some obsessive thinking, what could you do for them? If you just quit thinking about your worries for a second and thought, what would one of them like? What would they need? What could I do or be or give or have that would make a difference to someone else? You've instantly derailed your obsession, and now you're thinking about someone else. Now you're thinking about what you can give rather than I'm in torment. Mm -hmm. Obsessions are not just spiraling through or cycling through. It is going down. It gets worse and worse. So the sooner you catch yourself, oh, oh, wait a second, let me think about that a different way. Well, is this important? If it is important, what are my other options than just stew about it and keep reflecting on it all the time? What action could I take? And then maybe instead of feeling so obsessed, you would feel more free. I've got a choice that I can make here. And that would be a good one, Eileen, in terms of talking about the vision. If I had anxiety sobriety and I wasn't obsessing about anything anymore, what would I do with all my brain energy? What would I think about? What would I do and be and have that would be more pleasant? So if you could think about what it would feel like to be done with anxiety and obsessions, give you that vision to pull you into the future. You know what you want to get away from. I want freedom from that. But what do you want freedom for? If the anxiety and obsessing was gone, what would it look like tomorrow in the future? And you said it, Steve, that you have to make incremental progress. But if you got to anxiety sobriety and you weren't obsessed anymore, what would you have? How would you recognize it? If a miracle did happen tonight and the anxiety and obsession went away, how would you know when you woke up? What would be so different that, oh, you know, something happened? I'm thinking differently. Hmm. Does perfectionism come into play here? Because I'm thinking Absolutely. Back, you know, I think that's part of the reason why I, back in the day, would worry a lot. Because I worried about things being perfect. Like, I talked about a backyard renovation. Got to be perfect. Guess what? It was. Got an ulcer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, those things that we... Why does that come into play? Well, when you are obsessing about things, the perfectionism is all or nothing. So even in school, you could get an A minus or a B plus or even a D minus. It wasn't just excellent or terrible. There were degrees inside. Perfectionism makes you have that illusion that I can do things better than anybody else. 
And so I don't delegate things. I don't let other people into hmm. the backyard project or whatever the obsessions are that Eileen talked about. Sure. So to live with ambiguity is hard. To live with a mistake that could just plague you and give you guilt. And if you're imperfect, will people stare and ridicule and judge and no longer like you? So that there's an awful lot at stake, it seems like in perfectionism what will people think yeah maybe they'll think you're a human being maybe they will think you're obsessing too much maybe they'll think you know i care about you whether you're anxious or not Hmm. it is the you care what people think yeah but where does it come from i know where it came from for me when i was a kid i got bullied so you know and it's it goes back to the the classic um most of us, if not all of us, at some point to some level, feel that we're not good enough. So that's, you know, I believe, you know, perfectionism comes into play there. What are your thoughts? I do too. And I think some of it does come from parenting and well-intentioned parents. Um, Oh, why'd you get a B on this? What more could we do to make it an A? But if you drive up to any junior high or high school, you'll notice how the kids are all wearing the same brand. They don't want to be bullied. They want everybody's approval or they sure don't want to risk anybody's disapproval because they got the Walmart jeans instead of the Nordstrom jeans. And so that pressure that what will somebody think? Well, most of the time they won't think about it at all because they're more focused on themselves than they are you. But if they do want to pick on you, what's it say about them? If somebody wants to bully, what's wrong with them that they would take it out on someone else? That would help us to be thinking about them with compassion. They're probably doing to others what was done to them. I wonder Mm -hmm. if they had a big brother picking on them at home before they came to school today. Yeah. Yeah. So you get curious about it instead of anxious about it. You change your thinking. That word came up a lot today in my world. Curious. It's, and I thought about it and it's kind of how I, I, I roll in my life. I just, I'm a big kid. And you always want to stay curious. You're always wondering about stuff. Uh, example, even over the weekend, somebody got me, I like egg bites. You know, think they're a healthier choice. Got me an egg mm-hmm. bite maker. I don't cook. Never cooked in my life. Oh, no. Not even kidding. <laughs> but the curiosity came into play because I get them at Starbucks. Love the way they taste. A little pricey, but it's, you know, healthier choice. Found a knockoff recipe. The curiosity was... I wonder how close I can make that taste to the, the, the actual thing exactly tastes exactly the same. And oh, no kidding. And, and now I'm on the road to eating better breakfast because, <laughs> because of that. But your identity's changed. I'm this curious guy who's now a cook. Very much so. I'm not even kidding. I don't think I've ever cooked anything in my life. I just don't. It's just not, I doesn't interest me. Can I do it? Of course you can do pretty much anything you, you apply yourself to. Uh, Sure. Yeah. The curiosity, if you look at your life from a curious point of view, why are you doing what you're doing? Why am I worrying? Why am I anxious? Where's that coming from? If you take time, you might get some answers, right? You might. Well, and even Eileen obsessing about things, but if you thought about it a different way, why does this matter so much to me? Why would I expend this amount of time and energy on this and just be curious about yourself? 
what am I thinking that would lead to these uh, feelings of obsession and anxiety? Sure. If you can get it clear, this is what I'm thinking. What will other people think? Okay, now what if Steve's right? I don't give a damn anymore. Uh, I don't care what they think. And somebody famous said that, that what other people think of us is none of our business. Mm. That's a pretty freeing thought. So to change your mind, um, Kelly or Eileen, the idea is to think about it a different way. And that's empowering. You can do that right now. Yeah. Uh, or you can get the book. How do we do that? <laughs> well, the easiest way is to go to Amazon and just type in the search Anxiety Quest by Dr. Ray Smith. And there you will find the paperback book, the audible book, the Kindle version, and the workbook. The workbook has recently been added, and it goes very well with the audible. So that as people are making those steps on the quest to anxiety sobriety, there's not only guidance on the way, but there's some big questions. You mentioned why a minute ago. Why am I thinking this way? Well, why am I alive? It's not to waste my time with anxiety. So some big questions are in those books. What's your purpose? And then what are your principles? How are you going to live a life free of anxiety? And part of that is the vision. If, um, like Kelly said, just the vision of having a good night's sleep, well, what do I have to do or say or give up and change in order to have that good night's sleep? Then I'm going to do it. Not a New Year's resolution, but a determination. And so... To get the book, uh, you can go to my website too, drraysmith.com, and you can see these other podcasts that we've done, but have access to the books. You can listen to them. I like the Audible version because the guy who recorded it for us has struggled with anxiety, mm. and I would rather hear him read it than to read it myself. So if you're an Audible or auditory learner, then I would recommend getting the Audible, Audible version and to work through the workbook with it. The questions there are to kind of take what's in the book to the next level, but to give you some space to write out your answers to them. So back to the curiosity, I wonder what you'd say to question number two. I wonder what would be different if we thought about number four in a new way. So hmm. you can get them from Amazon. You can get them from my website. There's a quest means that you're leaving something behind and you're heading to something better. And anxiety sobriety is something better. It is something, like Kelly said, where I know that I can go to sleep. Or if I have that thought, what if I'm not good enough? What if I am? What if I can handle this? What if I've got this? And then I can look at it a different way. I can think differently and I can become different. And I can certainly change how I'm feeling by changing the way I think about it. Good stuff. That's today. what I want. Yeah. I want to reduce suffering. I want people to get that good night's sleep. I want them to have a vision of where they're going because you don't have to be plagued by anxiety. You don't have to keep the ulcer going, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And you got this. We all have it. We're, we're, yeah. we're amazing. We don't realize how fantastic we, our bodies, our minds are. Uh, so free, free from the chains of anxiety. Ray, always great having you on here. Your website is your name, right? Right, drraysmith.com. And is that DR? Yes, D-R-R-A-Y-S-M-I-T-H.com. So it's not spelled out, doctor, just DR, the abbreviation. Gotcha. 
Uh, appreciate you. Thank you so much uh, for being here today. Really appreciate it. You're welcome. And thank you for sharing your own stuff. It's life. You learn. Everybody's got a story. Yes. So if our stories can inspire, then uh, we're telling our stories and uh, look forward next time we talk. Me too. I want people to have a vision that pulls them forward. Absolutely. We'll be right back. Thanks, Steve. Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. When it comes to making plans, you are the best. What about those round trips that you plan in advance, which are perfect on your way there and perfect on your way back? Or those meetings with friends for which you make a group chat three months before so that nobody or anything is missing? Or your daughter's first birthday party? You planned it with such dedication that instead of the first, it felt like our quince's. The same way you plan each detail for those moments. Start planning to protect you and your loved ones from a natural disaster. Sign up for local weather and emergency alerts. Prepare an emergency kit and make a family communications plan. Protecting your family is the best plan you can make. Get started at ready.gov slash plan. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council.